We're back. Don't tell me this is Elite 11. Hello? Elite 11? Oh my God. Welcome to Ep 11. <laughs> I just realized I actually didn't even know. I just, I was like, oh, I'll start this one off. And then I was like, oh my God, Ep 11. Ep 11. This is amazing. And I think what we're going to be talking about today is, is, is worthy of an Ep 11. Do you think it's worthy? I think it's very worthy. It's freaking worthy because it speaks volumes about how lucky we are and where we've come from. So today's topic, we are going to be talking about Australia. Australia. Australia, the land down under. I've been to cities. <laughs> uh, okay, so I guess there's two little snippets that I'm going to start off for you and just, just throw them at you. Hit me, throw hit them at the me, wall. hit me. <laughs> and then we're going to see if any of it sticks. One is uh, the uh, top-rated cities in the world came out. Whoa! And I'm going to shove that one in there. Shove up uh, the top ten. Top you, ten. You had um, you had Auckland. You had a bit of Vienna at number one. You had a bit of Copenhagen at Copenhagen. number two. You had lucky, lucky Melbourne at number three, and the beautiful Sydney at number four. And if that doesn't scream, we are very lucky to be here. I don't know what else does, but I, I've got more. Yeah, I like more. Let me give you this one. Hit me. I've got Elite 11. It's weird that this is titled 11 of the best cities worldwide for startups and entrepreneurs. The first one off the list is a place I like to call home, Melbourne. And I'm going to read this to you. This is made in 2023. So it's very relevant. It was actually like three months ago. And this is what it says. With a population of 4.1 million, Melbourne, Australia sits You're at, at five now. Yeah. Uh, is that greater Melbourne potentially? Uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Melbourne, Australia sits in the sweet spot for size when it comes to the startup community. Large enough to uphold a solid standard of living in a city, but small enough to have access to plenty of people. Melbourne balances well enough in size to serve a, as a hotbed for its thriving entrepreneurial spirit. Wow. So we are not only lucky to be in Australia, but then even luckier to be in Melbourne. Yeah. The, diversity, the, the diversity of the business community, its high desire for engagement, a robust appetite to bring its networks and skills to improve the lives, lives of people to enable them to fill their, fulfill their potential. It actually references uh, immigrants and asylum seekers and, and the opportunity that they can get to build a life in a place like Melbourne as well, which is which is very true because very we, true. we've got a lot of friends that. Um, I mean, are, we're are, second gen Australians. Yep. Uh, our parent, like our grandparents, came here, yep. and built a life here. And we also have friends that are immigrants at the moment that are either um, uh, friends with us, work co work colleagues, uh, and the like, and they are thriving and they absolutely. Um, well, it seems that they absolutely love it yeah. here in, in Melbourne and, and, and definitely aren't taking it for granted. So that's where I begin. I yeah. shove you with the three and four best cities in the world. Two of them are in Australia. And then I, I shove you with a Melbourne being one of the best 11 cities to start a business or be an entrepreneur. Yeah. No, other, other cities include Stockholm, Toronto, Berlin, Chicago, Tel Aviv, London, Vancouver. Yeah, we've we are extremely fortunate to be where we are, and when you combine that with 
obviously just having, uh, you know, the country's pretty safe and there's a lot of opportunity uh, that migrants, when they come, uh, for the Australian government, it kind of, it's like this kind of equation of, okay, well, we can allow more people to come in and, you know, try great, uh, create more economic growth or we can trickle in the, like try get as many good people as possible. So it's almost like picking your own like team and that's a very fortunate position to be in because we're, we are able to get in skilled labor yep. and it kind of enhances the economy even more, you know, and it's, it's a positive feedback it, loop. It creates yeah, exactly more opportunity. And we were just briefly in Adelaide over the weekend and we've got friends over there that aren't from here. They're from South America and they really don't have a choice. They say, if you want your permanent residency, you need to go to these areas because, well, that's where we need you. So I don't know of other countries that kind of, again, I don't know other immigration policies in those countries, but it does seem like a very good uh, position to be in if you're in Australia yep. and, you know, you're, you're wanting to, to wanting the land to prosper because, yep. you know, you can select, you know, to, oh, just go to Adelaide because that's where we need you right now. Uh, the, the best thing about being such a desired city or a desired country in general is that we get first choice of yeah. the everyone really. But if we compare that to a lot of homogenous societies, like if people that don't have a lot of immigration, whether that be a, um, a language barrier mm-hmm. or, or anything like a Japan, Japan. A China, a South Korea, South Korea. Um, some South American countries would be quite um, insulated from migration potentially. I'm not sure. But if you look at like a Japan, for example, very homogenous, yep. low immigration, um, and it seems as though their their population looks like it's going to decline over the next 50 to 100 years, whereas mm-hmm. Australia, because of migration, and that's the only reason, is going to keep um, – increasing in terms of the amount of people that will be living here. So I have I have some predictions here according to the ABS, if you would me. like me to read them. So obviously right now our population is 26 million as of 2022 and they've got a medium, high and low growth according to several factors, one being the birth rate, another being immigration and obviously the death rate. Mm-hmm. And the medium is 36 million by 2050. Uh, low 25 years, 27 years, uh, low 30 and high growth 49.2. And the, the crazy thing, like, I mean, this is a problem that again, like a lot of countries are kind of facing at the moment, which is the birth rate declining, uh, which I think I've got right here. The the birth rate to sustain a population has to be 2.1, which means for every two adults that make children or a family, you want 2.1 children to every pair of adults. And the 0.1 extra is because it accounts for the, uh, the children that unfortunately don't make it to adulthood to then create children of their own. So that's why you need even more than two to replace the population or, um, just keep it the same. Um, sorry. No, no. And then like 2013, our birth rate was 1.9. Uh, and currently now as of 2022, it's 1.7. Yeah. And so obviously- that's, that's no good. So it's no good. And you can imagine how much of a sticky situation you're in if you're somewhere like China, who I know has a birth rate of about 
1.1. Yeah, it's Japan 1. has about yeah, 1.3 yeah. who have low immigration, which is something that we have very high, very like we are very fortunate to be in. So you can see the equation there starts to really look like there's a declining population and you can't just magically, you know, force people to start wanting to come into your country if it is not desired. Like I know a lot of people go to travel to Japan, but I don't know how many people that are- It's a language barrier. It's a language barrier. So you, when you've got problems like that and on top of how do you force people to kind of have more babies overnight? It's, it's you, also- You really can't. It's, 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 a, it's a quite a sticky- Prediction, uh, like predicament to be in. We Australia obviously are, you know, not as uh, not in that kind of situation. And the 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 most, I think, I wouldn't say pleasing, but it's just a good. The fact that we can kind of, kind of dial Pull up, levers. yeah. Whereas, like, we can say, no worries, we'll have a little bit more people come in, is very very powerful because, yeah. as of the, as of the end of last year, these are the stats I've got again from the ABS. There was one birth every one minute and 43 seconds, one death every three minutes and 10 seconds, one person that arrives to Australia to live every 42 seconds. Overall total population with those stats increases one person every 47 seconds. So it kind of just basically says that, well, it's really the, it's the migrants that are causing the immigration to, to uh, sorry, the population growth to exactly increase. Right. So it shows you how important it is to every country. Immigration and is immigrate. one of the most important things for a country to prosper. And I, I, and just to preface why it's so important, the more people you have in a country, the higher the GDP and yep. the higher the country produces because you, gross domestic product is produced or um, equate, like it equals every transaction that's ever taken place. Like I buy a pair of socks off you you record the socks as sock sale as tax. Yep. That goes to GDP. If you have 10 million people buying 10 million pairs of socks, that's gross domestic product X. If you have 30 million people buying 30 million pairs of socks, that's three times. Yep. But every person's still only buying one pair of socks, but your gross domestic product is tripling. Yep. So the more people that you have, in theory, the better it is for the country. Um, and that's why we are so lucky to be a part of such, well, in my opinion, one of the greatest cities and the greatest countries yep. ever. And when you um, can, when you combine that with getting skilled labor that come in, so people come in skilled, they get good jobs, higher income. Uh, again, they more, more then, productivity, more productivity, more economic growth, more GDP because more people are spending. Again, it's a positive feedback loop. Yep. that not every country would have the same uh, opportunity as uh, opportunities as we have here, which is why it makes it so desired. And the only thing that I kind of question sometimes is you have all those positive things, but then you see how much, and I don't know if, if, if they, because again, I'm, not, I'm no economist, how, if, how much these two things, uh, like whether they correlate, not they correlate, whether they affect each other and whether it's actually a big issue, but Australia's exports being so reliant on our fossil fuels, uh, or like so reliant on natural resources like coal and uh, natural gas, whether that is something that's sustainable and whether that will potentially- And iron ore. And iron ore will cause- uh, it to 
not be such a desired country again in a, in the grand scheme of things because as it stands in the next in the short term it doesn't look like those kind of um exports are going to be decreasing anytime soon uh so coal being our biggest i've got this again from uh is it coal that's our biggest coal's our biggest must 20, go to india 22 which is coal's the biggest gas second iron ore third meat coming fourth and gold was fifth so meat will probably always be quite high i know it's dropped a little bit but it's crazy because when you ask someone from a city, they would just assume that we're a service-based economy. Exactly. And We've got plenty of accountants and teachers so, and doctors. So like just imagine how crazy that sounds where, you know, you're one of the best cities for entrepreneurs and to start up and you're so... In- 60% of our GDP is based on exports, right? Yeah. Is that true? 60% or is it 40%? Oh, I'd actually have to suss that out. It's I 40 know that, or 60. It's somewhere that, in that realm. I know that 60% of our exports... Um, are due to natural resources, which is just crazy. And obviously tourism's kind of kind of come back after COVID and, and that's quite a big one as well. Um, and education. But then again, you look at education and I know a lot of this, I saw some articles of people saying that, you know, the education coming, like they're, they're giving um, degrees to people kind of not because they're actually doing exceptionally well, but just because they're being, you know, able to pay the large fees that these universities kind of um, charge. Yep. And you just see it a lot. Like, I mean, you can walk down Melbourne, Melbourne Central and you see a lot of Asian um, people that you know they're not from there because they're kind of, they can barely speak English. And I was when I was at uni, I could see it. Um, yeah, I met just, a lot of people from Singapore and China and Indonesia yep. and and they would come to do a course and I would actually like do assignments with them. And it was really good to see. Um, but again, that that's a short-term boost. Well, yeah, look, it, it boosts exports, but because it is an export, really. It's it's look. This is again some articles that I've seen that they say it's kind of um, ruining the reputation of of universe some certain universities if they are allowing certain students to pass for I don't know. It's just something I read, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. So like it, it's interesting when you see all these things and and you know you you see the the good picture of all the people wanting to come here and then you see a, a country that's kind of run with like backwards not i want to call it backwards but old-fashioned gas and, and coal and, and natural resources is that something do you think that like is it worrying is it worrying is it worrying like is it is it for our future yeah sometimes when i'm when i'm a little bit more pessimistic on life <laughs> I, I think about it and i would say it's worrying but like at the same time you would assume that by the time these these natural resources either get uh, chewed up by by um, uh, well, what is it? What's the word? Renewables. Like renewables. Renewables. Yeah. Which Australia also is in the driver's seat with that as well in terms of solar. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia's desert is probably one of the biggest pieces of land in the world that would be able to generate enough solar for at least this continent but multiple continents as well if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be a, a future technology that we really streamline. And all you need to do is export solar energy out to other companies, uh, other countries, and then we'd be sweet. So I think we'll be able to ha- – yeah, So I just answered my question. Having said that, <laughs> I think we'll be fine because I think we have enough talented people here to solve new problems um, moving forward once our export industry sort of – dies down or if it transitions into a new industry, we'll be able to handle that as well. 
I do, however, think that potentially we are going to be missing um, uh, of enough people and enough of a gravitational pull to be able to sustain if exports completely go away our standard of living and our status as one of the highest income earners. Mm. Yeah, well, that's because the, there's that, no financial, there's not much of a financial industry here like London and Switzerland yeah. have. Uh, tourism isn't as good as Europe and America. And then like all of our tech sector gets bought out by the American companies as well. The retail industry is mostly based uh, or overseas based brands um, from Europe and America. I mean, there, there's the – as you said before, there's education, tourism and exports. And if you take some of those away, there's there's not much left. Well, like the thing is Australia as an economy, uh, GDP, I think is about 1.5 trill. 1.5 trill. And if you're looking at that and the total I'm, – I'm pretty sure I read this. The total exports is about 350 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much of that is reliant on natural resources like coal – and a lot of it coming from one country being China, doesn't it seem a bit worrying that China just say, well, you know what stuff, you were going to be getting a coal from somewhere else, that it leaves us in a bit of a situation like, well, now how can the government kind of afford to build on, you know, certain infrastructure and stuff? Again, I'm no economist, so I don't understand exactly like the cause and effect of if for whatever reason those kind of exports drop, what's the effect on yeah. the the total economy here in Australia and... Well, that's an interesting one because China, it seems, are in demographic collapse. So like they're going to decrease in terms of population. Yep. And that means less demand. And if we just look at a supply and demand chart, China being our most desired or most... um, They they desire Australia's exports the most. If there's less uh, people desiring our exports, the price is going to go down, which means that Australians are going to be making less money because we're exporting less or we're exporting at the same exporting the same amount at a lower value. So now we're really digging into economy uh the macro just macroeconomics really. Mm-hmm. But um I honestly don't think we we're, <laughs> we're versed enough to be able no, to No, we don't. We're not. We're not. It, it insight, just, it, but it is an interesting yeah, It's very interesting. It's very and interesting. I, again, I don't I, I don't think this does affect anything to do with if you want to start a business either, yeah. especially in the short term. Like it's not something you like anyone should really be worrying about if, <laughs> you know, you just want to sell teas like us. Um, Australia is good because it, you can you can do a lot of service-based things. Yeah. You can do tech, you can do retail, you can do start a law firm, an accounting firm, a, a surgery, a dentist surgery. You can do so many different things. It's just – Oh, renewable companies, all, all different types of biotech. Um, there's a lot of opportunity here. And I think the reason a, a big part of that is because we're allies with some of the biggest superpowers and we speak English. Mm. So that, that that's probably the biggest reason and the biggest thing we've got probably going for us, to be honest, the that we're an English-speaking com- country that's based on immigration. Um, but apart three, from, uh, It's one of the most beautiful com- countries in the world, but you can't – I'm pretty pretty sure there would be a and lot of three beautiful. biggest. I think our th- three biggest trade partners are China, South Korea, and Japan, which is just weird. Like you know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. With, like, <laughs> it's it's. I uh, mean, Japan's a, yeah, Japan's an ally. South Korea's neutral. You would say, are they? Oh, 
Fuck. Yeah, that's oh, a, now we're getting geopolitics. This is, this is out of my league, brother. This is, out, <laughs> this is way too out of I our league. We just sold tees, mate. We just sold tees. <laughs> but if we just if we go back to why we think Australia, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and, and pretty much every major city, Perth, Adelaide in Australia is so good to start a business is just because of the growth potential moving forward. I mean, yep. it's it's the easiest way to look at it is this is very, very simple, but properties in Australia have gone up and and will continue to go up probably faster than most other places in the world purely based on the amount of people that are coming in and the demand for those items. Yep. So if you extrapolate that out into other industries like T-shirts and uh, gyms and uh, restaurants and yep. hospitality, you would assume that the d- demand for those things will also go up yep. with the more people that come in and therefore- More small it, businesses. More, more small businesses, more, yep. more ability for people to be successful. Mm-hmm. And basically that equates to a great country to start a business, follow your dreams, yep. be an entrepreneur. And really the, the two main things to that, again, at a macro level is just to make sure one, the birth rate kind of stays stay steady and doesn't really drop to- China levels, which I, I think that's very unlikely because um, well, China had that kind of what was it one one child policy, one child for, policy a long, for, ages, for, for a long time. Forty years. So, I might have created some sort of cultural cultural shift in thinking as well that might have yeah. caused to lower. Um, I was watching a rates. YouTube video of this the other day, and and now in China, the most common family tree is a four two one. So you've got four grandparents, two parents, and one child because of the one child mm. policy. And those one childs that are growing up now are more relied on by the grandparents and the parents because there's so many older people in China that that one child cannot no longer sustain having their own family because they're looking after their grandparents That's and crazy. their parents that are old. Because there's no like there's no cousins or no like not there's even no, like, siblings like cousins for you you've got you got three of you yep you got uh, a sister and a me, brother me and two you share the load of if, if if when when our parents get old we'll share the load with yep. our siblings but if you're only one child and you have to take care of four grandparents it's by true. yourself how are you going to find the time to have four kids of your own yeah as I, well? I, I can see that's the premise problems that's start the, happening yeah. yeah as you get older you see i mean my parents are aware at the moment so my sister and I are kind of making sure that our grandparents are all good and you're right. It would be a, quite a scary prospect yep. being in somewhere in China. But back to my point with the, <laughs> uh, the birth rate. So obviously the, the, the things that are going to keep making Australia seem and feel like it's in a, going in a positive direction is obviously the birth rate and making sure that people keep coming in. Yeah, immigration, uh, is, immigration is the key. They're, they're, the two, they're the two keys because as long as they stay nice and steady, there should be no reason why in 30 years we don't have – Close to double the population we have. A nice, diverse, from all corners of the globe, all all different types of people. Tell me, and and we've been to a few places across the uh, across the world, and not one, not anywhere that that I have been where you see so much diversity and so many different culture cultures and and different people that kind of come together. It's amazing, and that's why yeah, we're just so lucky. Yeah. Yeah, we're so lucky. We're very, very fortunate to be in. I think the, the United States also has a lot of different uh, ethnicities and stuff as obviously being very close Correct. to South America and um, a lot of Europeans. Even have, Europeans after the World War, after World War II, they, a lot of them went over. Like some of my family went to Boston and then the other part of go. the family went to to Australia. Thank there you, you no, 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 for yeah. coming here because I'm very grateful yeah. to be here. 
So what a great episode 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, I agree. It, it's very pleasing to see those things and it's very humbling. Hopefully nothing bad happens in this country that you know, obviously yeah. you can never really. You can never see what's around the corner. Exactly right. I'm very happy with my first 28 years of life as an Australian person and I'm very appreciative of, and grateful of, of the country that we live in. So thank you, Australia. Up Australia. For being the best. Melbourne is better than Sydney though. And I'm, no, I'm joking. Wow. I'm joking. <laughs> we went to Sydney, bro. Watch the trip there. Nah, no, I'm oh. joking. I'm joking. It's, I think. It's, it's, you know what it is? It's just healthy loyalty for your own city. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Like if we, if we said Sydney was better than Melbourne, who, what to, sort of Melbournians would we be? So like it's just healthy competition. Everyone, I'm sure there's plenty of that in every other country. Exactly right. The US probably has like this huge, like, oh yeah, I'm from- People from LA and Miami. I'm from LA and then they'd think of people from the other side of the US as like- Who are those guys? They're like, (laughs) are you guys even American? (laughs) America's that big that every state's a country. We were looking at the uh, population. 350 mil? Yeah, 350 mil. But like- Crazy, bro. uh, uh, California has 40, Texas has- Fucking forty. I, I checked the size of the economy, and they they are basically twenty times the size of us. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, twenty times the size of us, and only ten times or twelve times our population. Yeah, so we've got one point five trillion. What's your guess, US? As of well, twenty, you just said twenty. So I'm gonna guess thirty. I <laughs> said <laughs> it's it's not. It's less than twenty. Uh, it's less than twenty. Yeah. Uh, twenty-two. Twenty-five trillion. Yeah. Okay. Crazy, crazy, crazy shit. numbers. Crazy numbers. Anyway, that that really doesn't <laughs> has nothing to do with Australia, but uh, I, it's it's good to see that kind if, of comparison. If you're still listening, like you've for the last two eps, we've really talked about things that we could just talk about all day. Bit of baloney, <laughs> <laughs> just complete fluff. Macroeconomics, politics, tech, the future, and just weird tangenty. Conspiracies. I don't know. There's just <laughs> interesting topics. It's always good so to, it's always good to see, especially like it'd be everyone has some sort of uh, patriotic feeling inside them yeah. for their country. So you just want to know that, like, the country is doing well, and it is it is good to see that. Agreed. Agreed. Anyway, much love, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Bye bye.